Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. What a blessing, hey? Sure. In His presence. No better place. I still wanted to warn the guys there at the back from, with my presentation, Yaku. There's a bunch of in-between steps. Let's say what happens in you. So just forgive me for that. Okay. All right. Um, you might know that we have... Uh, a service at the at the, the gate center, which is a, a shelter in uh, Fasahi Street, almost you know more pr- approaching Pretoria West side inner city, and um, we go there every Sunday morning, and uh, everybody is welcome. So talk to me. At the moment, it's mostly guys going because we're ministering to guys, to men. Uh, but we're really hoping soon that we'll be able to minister to the ladies' shelter as well. But if there are any gentlemen that want to join us, just t- chat to me or Jeremy. Um, we, we, uh, we do it in such a way that you can still make it to the morning service. So that's a blessing. You can minister and then come and be ministered to as well. So that's a double whammy. So that's normally at 8 o'clock. Uh, we leave, sometimes we leave from here at half past, depending on the arrangement. So please be bold. Step out, bring your small group, and join us there. Amen. Okay, I got three amens. Oh, no, I saw those. Okay, thanks. We'll see you there. Great. All right. Um, let's just pray for the Word. Thank you, God, for your presence here this morning. Thank you, truly, that we experience your peace and your joy in this place. It's not something we can get our heads around, but we know it's real. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word this morning. Speak into our hearts. Change us, Lord, into your image and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. I realized, as I was just finishing off and praying, I realized I've got about three sermons in one year. So there's never a winning plan. But uh, let's see if we are much how far we get. And uh, maybe I'll do a part two. But... Um, We've been talking about stepping out of, no, stepping into, stepping into God's love and stepping into His purpose. And um, stepping into that, and I, I really believe we cannot really step into God's purpose unless we are in His love already. If we, are, <clears throat> if we have stepped into His love and if we are living from a place of living in the love of God and through the love of God and filled with Him, that's when we can really step into His purpose. But stepping into those also involves us stepping out of other things. Stepping out from a place, out of a place of fear, out of a place of where we are in control. All right? And, um, yeah, so I just want to touch on one or two of those things very briefly now before we continue. Uh, so stepping out of fear, you know, that's, that's one of the, the big, that's probably the biggest um, weapon 
that the enemy still kind of has deception and fear, <laughs> deceiving us to a place of fear, basically, lying and deceiving until he gets us into a place of fear. So that's a big one um, as we're stepping into God's purpose and into his love is to step out of a place of fear. Most of life around us, outside of Christ, happens in the context of fear. Fear of whatever it is. I mean, in my case, it was a, a fear of not making it one day to heaven. You know? So I was living from that place of fear. I was trying to make that happen. And uh, literally just being anxious about that all the time. And uh, everything around, I, I did was trying to just please God in some way that I might might make it uh, into eternity. So, so yeah, everything out of Christ is it happens out of a, a place of fear. If it's not out of a place of faith, it's mostly out of a place of fear. So let's look at Proverbs 29, 25. And a, a lot of that fear comes from a fear of man. 25 years says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I was, as I was preparing, um, this came up yesterday as the verse of the day as well on the, on the app. <laughs> and then I saw my friend Vanner doing the little video. He must look out for the shofar pastors. They've asked a bunch of the guys to help with those. You know those verse of the day videos that they have on the Bible app? In blank stairs everywhere. But anyway, they have. <laughs> if you have it, your settings on Afrikaans, then you'll recognize some of the faces coming up there. Okay, so the fear of the man is a snare. And so much of what we see around us is based on fear of man. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So we step out of a place of operating from a fear of, out of a fear of man, out of a place of pleasing people, out of a place of doing something because I fear someone or something, into a place of I'm safe because of the love of God. Not only for me, but for everybody around me. So it's not only something that settles me in who I am, but it also is what motivates me to live, to step into that purpose part, right? Because of his love, I mean. So that we step out of that place of fear of man, out of the place of I'm living for a salary or a affirmation of man or accolades of men or what the other side of this coin getting a bit ahead of myself now, but the other side of this fear of man coin is it tends to, even when we are living in, in Christ, tends to it's be a, play a big role in us not stepping into God's purpose. A fear of what, of rejection of what will people say? Will I offend somebody? Will I say the wrong thing? That fear of if I, if I feel I need to go pray for my neighbor, what will he think of me, you know, etc.? It's just me, I can see. You guys are too spiritual for that. The other day I felt I needed to pray for the mechanic here across the street. Oh, and there was a moment I thought, hmm. I thought, no, let's just do this. So we've prayed more than once now together. Just pop over over lunch and we pray. And that the Lord is doing something. Amen. Um, he's got an amazing testimony. I thought I must bring him here to share. <laughs> Any case, but... Well, that fear of man keeps us, I mean, from stepping into that purpose, stepping in and sharing his love. Right, let's go on. 
Um, also, First John um, chapter 4. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So that is what is the foundation. That is what grounds us. That is what enables us to step into His purpose. The, the, the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Not fear, like I had. Confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love costs out fears to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first loved us the more I immerse myself in the truth of the love of Christ the more fears no space in my life anymore are you with me the more I delve and immerse myself into the love of Christ for me and for everybody around me fears to leave hallelujah are you with me so isn't that powerful? You know, Paul writes, he says, the love of Christ compels us. That's the other side of the coin again. This love, I'm so amazed and so overwhelmed by the love of Christ for every person on this planet. That is what urges me to go across the road and pray for the mechanic. Are you with me? Or the neighbor or the colleague or the guy in the office next to you. The love of Christ compels us. Every fear of man is to go. There's no fear in love. Amen. He's, and so if that's something you're wrestling with, we're also going to pray with, with you afterwards that the love of God can just cast out every fear. Are you with me? Amen. Let's trust for that. All right, so we're stepping out of fear. We're stepping out of control. Um, this is so amazing. When we look at the life of um, the apostles, Paul, um, I don't want to go into all the details, but he was a very well-educated, learned guy. He was quite an accomplished person before we started to follow Jesus. He was well-known from our point of view for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) But, you know, he was very well-educated. He was basically in the the leadership of the church, of the the synagogue, and he was... studied under a very well-known um, teacher. So all of that was setting him up for a, for a career, you know. But then this massive thing happened in his life. And when, now he, when you see how he introduces himself in different letters, but I want to read this one to the Romans. He often does this, and he says here in verse 1, Paul, a bond servant of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. I find often when we read scriptures, it's good to pause at a scripture like this. It's just an introduction. We just skip over it. But it says a lot, right? Put your name in there. Yaku, a bond servant of Christ. Separated to the gospel. Amen? Um, so bond servant means it's somebody that's willingly, willingly following. Willingly said, I will, I'm not enslaved to this person. Uh, I'm not being held against my will. I'm willingly submitting myself. I'm willingly committing myself to lifelong service of this person. That's why we call bond servants. We 
in response to the cross, in response to his grace, we say, yes, God, I choose, I follow you out of my own choice. My life has been bought with a price, yes, but I follow you out of my choice. And I'm separated. I'm separate. I, I was here with everybody else going with the stream. Now I'm separated. I'm set aside for the gospel for a specific purpose. Okay. I don't know about you. If you have, a, if you have nice tools in your garage or nice tools in your kitchen, some of those are special. They are set aside. The kids are not allowed to touch them. Are you with me? Yes. So what's one of the worst things you can find? When you find that nice Victorian Knox chef knife that you bought in Switzerland and somebody used it as a screwdriver. It's not cool. It's not funny either. But I'm just saying, <laughs> sometimes we set aside something for a specific use and similarly, we have been separated. Amen. For a specific use for the gospel. Don't abuse yourself. You've been set aside. Amen. All right. Galatians 2.20. And the kids ask me, what's your favorite verse? This one sometimes comes up. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we're talking about stepping out of control, I know you guys are going to struggle with this, but I used to be a, I like to control stuff. I want to be, I know we, when, you know, when stuff happens, how it happens, and if it happens in the way I like it, that's even better. But I see you guys don't struggle with that. But uh, <laughs> what do we do, don't we? we? We like to know what's happening and when and where. But that's one of the major things when we step into Christ's love and into his purpose is we yield control. Now that, remember I told you that story about when we were selling a car and the guy came to, to, to test drive the car. That feeling when you're in your own car but somebody else is driving. So weird. You know? It's like that when you give your life to Christ. <laughs> you're no longer driving. I mean, it's so freeing as well. I've been crucified with Christ. I've died. My old life has died. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We'll continue in this thought a bit later on. But we're stepping out of control. We're stepping out of fear. And we're stepping into the love of God. And we're stepping into His purpose. And I want to just look at that purpose, but just for a few minutes. Um, I'm kind of moving quite fast, but just hang in there with me. All right. So, so we're stepping out of fear, we're stepping out of uh, control, we're stepping into his love, and when we're living from a place of love, then we're able to step into his purpose. So one of the things to, that keeps us from the place of purpose, and it kind of ties in with the fear thing I mentioned, is this question of, do I have enough? Is, it, is what I have enough? And most often this doesn't, isn't something we lie awake at night thinking about. It's something we, we live. We don't cross the road to the mechanic, maybe, because I'm thinking, Yo, I'm not really qualified. I, maybe, I'm not, I don't think I'm spiritual enough to do that. 
Is it just me? Or I, I think maybe, maybe I should, you know, get one of my friends who's done Bible school and get him to come with me or something. But we, often when, when the Holy Spirit stirs something in us, we think maybe to minister somewhere, to reach out or to step into God's purpose in some way. In, inevitably, this question comes up. Actually, yo, do I actually have what it takes? I, I, I doubt whether I can do this. I mean, are you with me? And that, that, that little voice comes and says, listen, you, you can't do that. You've never done that before. <laughs> you know? Or how, praying for somebody in public or praying at somebody's work. No, man. You don't have what it takes for that. You, you don't have a theology degree. So then inevitably this voice comes and, and questions, do, we, do you have what it takes? And, um, and, all, and everything kind of questions what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. Um, and I just want to read this bit where Jesus, where they feed the, the multitude, um, well-known miracle of Christ where they've ministered all day. Jesus was ministering to people and healing people and many people were responding to the word. And then it came to the time where everybody was hungry. I don't know if you have kids, but that... It's, it's too late already to do something about it. Because if everybody's already hungry and everybody's hangry and the wheels are coming off, then it's not like that because then you should have already had a plan, right? <laughs> so I feel that's like with that now. People are hungry and what are we going to do? Um, and the, the disciples wanted to kind of let the guys get sort themselves out. But Jesus said, verse 16, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Great. I'm sure they were pleased with this. Um, They were just kind of trying to get rid of the problem. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides the women and children. Um, uh, I remember years ago, Reinhard Bonker preached a message about this that's really impacted my life. And, uh, and this week I heard another message around this and just reminded me of that. And what I just want to point out here very briefly is clearly there was a, a, a logistical problem here. Okay? They didn't have enough food. Anybody can, even, you don't have to be a caterer to figure this out. All right, five loaves, two fish, 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, probably more women, if you look at church attendance, and probably more children than women and men. Are you with me? <laughs> so probably fifteen to 20,000 people, okay? Um, but the key that happened here is that Jesus did not pray and then make a huge pile of bread and fish, and then they distributed it. didn't work like that. He gave to the disciples, and they gave to the people. And put you just put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Now, you've received a little, very small piece of bread and a small piece of fish, because five loaves and two fish into twelve, that's already a problem. Um, and now you have to kind of 
make so, do something with this. So there must have been that very awkward moment of walking from Jesus to the crowd and going, oh, oh no, what? <laughs> the first guy must have probably just got a little kremulki, you know, listen, uh, sorry about this. <laughs> this is to go a long way, you know, and uh, just kind of, but that moment when they start to give and then they realize, okay, there's more, yeah? There's more now. Something's happening. <laughs> Happening, happening right here. And then, okay, maybe the second one was a bit more boldness, you know. Okay, you can have a bit bigger piece. So I'm sorry for that first guy. But, uh, but can you imagine that um, that must have boosted their faith to see the miracles not happening there in Jesus' hands? Because I think up to that point, if I have it correctly, the, the, the miracles are all happening in Jesus' hands. But now, that miracle is happening right here. Right here, as they are stepping out in obedience, as they are stepping out in faith, there's the miracle of multiplication is happening right here in their hands. And I just want to encourage us that as we're stepping into God's purpose, there will never be enough in the beginning. Let's just sail, make, tell this to ourselves. Let's just make peace with that. All right? There will never be, it'll never look possible. Very rarely. Most of the time, it will look impossible. That, for me, is a confirmation. This is from God. Okay? <laughs> if it looks impossible, if it looks unlikely, that's probably what God is saying. Right? And as we're stepping out, as we're moving in obedience, I'm not, just, I'm not saying doing random things that God has not told to you about. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about taking what God has given you, what He has laid on your heart, what He is leading you to do, moving in obedience and seeing the miracle happen right here. As we obey, as we step out, there will be enough. There will be multiplication. Not before. Okay? I know there's some comfortable guys. I've seen this so many times. <laughs> Lord, please provide all the finances before we go on missions. No. It doesn't very rarely happen. <laughs> or before we start the trip or whatever. Uh, but as we move in obedience, the provision comes. Are you with me? Um, so yes, when that little voice comes to say, you don't have enough, you can probably say, yes, that's true. But as we move, God is able. Amen? Um, and guys, this is one of the enemy's big, big plans. If he can convince us not to move, he's one. You're, you're safe in your small group and in your spiritual family. You've been, you and I, have, we've been born again. If he can convince me not to step across the road or to step across the fence or whatever, the corridor at the office, then he's, he's got the upper hand. If he can convince us somehow not to step into God's purpose, then it doesn't matter. He's not so worried about us going you know, to eternity with Christ, but He has prevented us from sharing that. Are you with me? So, yes, there won't be enough, but He is able and He is faithful. And as we move in obedience, the miracle will happen. And I have found every time I step out in obedience, Christ is faithful. God is faithful. That second part always happens. The first part is difficult. That doesn't always happen. But the second part 
is always there. Not always, like I thought it would be. Okay, let me just put that out there. Not always. The, God confirms his word, but not always like I thought he would. But that second part always happens. Sometimes it happens in weird ways that I don't even know about. Sometimes I only hear, you know, never hear what happened. But don't neglect the first bit, the obedience part. Amen. Let's go on. Okay. Then uh, I want to quickly look at this one. We were at Passion uh, on a Friday. Uh, this thing for church and ministry leaders, and that was really cool. Hopefully we can get that recording to you guys. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned this, and I just want to quickly refer to this first miracle of Christ at the wedding. <clears throat> so they were at a wedding, Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus' mom was also there. And then the, the big crisis hit the wedding. The wine ran out. Big problem. These kind of weddings was not just a one or two hour affair. There, there was a long story, and this is a big problem. Okay, the wine ran out. Very embarrassing for the bridegroom and the organizers and everything. But let's see what happens. From verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. It's interesting how your mom feels like she can still tell you things. It doesn't matter if you have your own house and your own kids. Sometimes, anyway, <laughs> what a blessing, amen. When the wine, and Jesus said to her, what does this have to do with me? My hours yet not yet come. But she was not faced by this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So he realized he's not going to get around his mother on this one. He's going to make a plan. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then it goes on and he said to the bridegroom, why did you keep the best wine till later? You know? um, the, the thing I wanted to quickly point out here is, firstly, this is a good tip from Jesus' mom. Okay? Do whatever he tells you to do. Amen? So let's listen to Jesus' mom as well. <laughs> do whatever Jesus tells you to do. That's a good motto to live by. Um, and then the, the servants also respond well. They fill the jars. If, you know, if they, I think if they knew what he was going to do, they would have probably doubted and just filled them like sort of three quarters, but they filled them to the brim. <laughs> Isn't that a good image of how we should live in obedience to Christ? When we live, stepping into his purpose is not a half full type of scenario. It's not a, I'm just going to, just see how this goes. Hope for the best. Let's let's give. Although sometimes we we do work like that. We we just want to test something out. But in our obedience to Christ, let's be to the brim kind of people. Amen. Everything I got, all the all the loaves and fishes, um, and maybe maybe to the brim means to give all the loaves and fishes to the first guy. Amen. In other words, I'm trusting that he's going to do a miracle. Or at least enough for them to be full. 
But in our obedience to Christ, let's be a to the brim kind of people. Everything we have, as far as it can go, to the brim. Amen? And then secondly, uh, I have a suspicion, I'm actually quite sure, that the people, the guests at the, at the wedding did not know where the wine came from. Just like this guy, the, the master of the feast, he didn't know where the wine came from. So they didn't know there was a miracle. Similarly, even amongst the 5,000, I have a great suspicion that not many people knew that there was a miracle that day. They thought somebody had ordered something somewhere and a truck came or whatever. and some, They didn't know. I'm sure there were many there that day that didn't see that there was a miracle. But who, I want to ask, which, who knew, firstly, <laughs> and which part of the story do you want to be on? The disciples knew they were the ones serving, handing out, doing the distribution. The miracle happened in their hands, right? And then the servants knew, they knew where the wine came from. They saw this miracle. The ones that were close to Jesus, they knew. And they experienced the miracle, the ones that were closest to him. So my question is, which side of the story do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the side that receives the miracle, which is not a bad place to be? Or do you want to be on the side where being close to Christ, you see the miracle happening, and you, you're part of it somehow. You've, you're just carrying the water, and you're drawing the water, but right here, this would, I just poured in water there, and now the miracle has happened right here. I don't want you. I want to be on that part of the story. I want to be close enough to Christ to see the, the miracles that He does every single day. You know how sometimes when we pray for something and then the Lord does a miracle of healing or whatever, and we <clears throat> afterwards you tell the story and you can see some people like, oh, you know, it could have been the doctors or it could have been this or it could have been something else. And you realize they're not close. They're not close enough to see the miracle. Are you with me? So there are lots of other things that could have happened. But before you're there, and you were there, at, when, the, when the problem was so real, and, the, and there, there are the doctors that had no answers, and then you pray, and then something happens, and then the Lord answers the prayer, you know, <laughs> you were close, you saw the miracle. Are you with me? And I, I, I believe God is inviting us to come close. To practice proximity, as they say. To live close enough that we will see the miracles. Not only for the sake of the miracles, but that we will be stepping into His purpose. Stepping into His plan. Being part of what He is doing. Stepping across the road. I actually want to remind this guy, the first time we prayed, it was kind of tough. It was a new, new business. The second time we prayed, he told me, he got this contract from Volvo, he's got this contract, and he's looking at a, a contract from a university. I want to actually remind him, listen, remember last time we prayed <laughs> that the Lord would open those doors. Um, so something's happening, I mean. I, I believe God is inviting us to that place, to be a part of what he is doing, to step into his purpose. Okay, last but. 
Colossians 1, <clears throat> 24, 29. So as we stepping out of fear and we're stepping out of control, this is one of the absolute keys of stepping into his purpose to realize, yes, I don't have enough, but he has enough. Amen? Yes, I don't have what it takes. Sure. But he is qualified and he is able and he is powerful. And if I make myself available, his kingdom is going to come. Amen. Uh, from verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. This is Paul writing <clears throat> to the Colossians, and he says something here. It's really crazy if you think about it. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And then he says something which... If it came from anybody else, we might take it with a pinch of salt, right? He says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. <clears throat> there was something that has been hidden for generations, something that's been a mystery for generations. Nobody knew this. What is he going to say? <laughs> you know? um, nobody knew about this until now, and it's his job to tell the people about it. Isn't that amazing? So before, all the generations before this moment didn't know this truth. But now it's being revealed, right? And what is it? What is this mystery? Um, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present every mature, everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all this energy that He powerfully works within me. Even His energy, even His strength is from Christ, is from God. Amen? But this is the mystery that He is revealing to us right now, that it is not anything else, but it's Christ in you, that is the hope of glory. Yes, it's not my qualification, it's not my experience, it's not my ability to speak or not speak, or all of those things fade into insignificance when we realize that it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Amen? Nothing else. So when I'm stepping across the road to pray with the mechanic, I'm not thinking, Yaku, you got this. You've done this before. You're going to be okay. I'm thinking, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus, won't you meet with this man today? Amen. I'm not thinking this guy's going to be blessed because I have a good smile or I'm an encouraging person. I'm thinking, Jesus, please change this person's life today. Are you with me? So when you're reaching out across the fence to your neighbor or across the corridor to your colleague or the family at school, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, when Abby and I mean, were flying back from the summit, I told you this story, you know, sitting and praying for the people in our row and trusting God for words of knowledge, and she got a scripture for the lady. It was not like, Lord, we've got all this knowledge we want to share. It was, Jesus, please come and minister to these people. Christ in us. Amen. That is the key. Okay, I'm going to just close with this last one from John 7. 
Ähm, just to add to that. <coughs> From verse 37. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. He's not left us orphans. Amen? He's not left us on our own. He's, he's, he's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he's given us his Spirit. The same resurrection power, the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, is living in and through us. Rivers of living water. Guys, reality is, if the enemy is able to convince us to stay still, <laughs> if he's able to, to snare us, to keep us bound, like in that snare that we read about at the beginning, the fear, fear of man amongst others, then this river cannot flow. If we are stuck in that place of fear, if we are stuck in a place of being stagnant and being apathetic and, and not going anywhere, <laughs> just surviving, hanging in there, Jesus, please come back tomorrow. <laughs> Don't worry, I've prayed prayers like that. <laughs> you know, if we're stuck there, the river is not flowing. Maybe we're not receiving something, and certainly there's nothing flowing out. Okay. Rivers of living water will flow from our innermost being. That means there's water coming in and there's water coming out. There's life coming in, there's life going out. And as we step out of fear and of God of control and of many other things, if, as we step into His love, as we step into His purpose, this river. Is going to flow like he cannot believe. David and I were trying to get some water off the roof yesterday. What a mission. In any case, there was a problem with the, in a long story, but the water wasn't where it's supposed to be. It wasn't running the direction it's supposed to run. And I was explaining to you that the problem with water is the momentum. If you can get the momentum going in the right direction, it's just going to run. But if you have to go against the the momentum of the water coming back at you, then it's just nah. Similarly, <laughs> if this if the water, the rivers of living water, can have pick up momentum in our lives, he cannot stop it. I don't know if you've seen a, a, a natural fountain where water comes out of the earth. It's amazing to see. It just comes out. And you can't stop it. If you put your hand where you think it's the strongest, it will find another place. It will keep coming. <laughs> I've tried it. And you just put your hand in, you're trying to keep it down, and it's, it's not having anything of it. It will come. And I, wanna, I believe that the Father is inviting us to put ourselves in that place where the river cannot stop. Where it just comes. And everybody around you is going to get wet. Amen? Everybody around you is going to get blessed. And everybody around you is going to get a share of the water of life. Amen? Let's stand this morning.
I really believe that God is inviting us to step out of whatever is keeping us stagnant, whatever is keeping us still. Maybe you're still hanging on to some control. Maybe you're stuck in fear. Maybe there is fear of man. I believe that to a certain extent is something that's almost... I don't want to, not everybody, but a lot of us will probably have some element of that in our lives. So I'm not going to call you forward for that. <laughs> Might not have enough space. But let's, let's do respond. Amen? If you feel that's relevant to you, then where you are, just raise your hand. Just where you are, we're going to pray together and say, Lord, here I am. I want to step out of that stuff. I want to be at the place where the miracle happens. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be the one far off wondering what happened. And I don't want to be stuck in fear. I don't want to be, st- I don't want to be stuck in, in apathy or in um, paralyzed with fear. I want to be stepping out and stepping into what you have and being part of what you're doing. Yeah, so if just that's you, just respond in your heart right now. And I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you do not leave us orphans, Lord. Thank you that you, as your word says in Romans 5, Lord, you've poured out the love of Christ into our hearts by your Spirit. We have received your love. And now this morning we open our hearts for more of your love, Lord. We open your hearts to, to flood our lives with your love, Lord. Every part that's hurt, every part that's hard, every part that's hardened and deceived or or hurt, Lord, we pray that you'd flood us, flood our lives with your love to a place where every fear is cast out in the name of Jesus. Let every fear be cast out this morning, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We bring before you fear of man. We bring before you any anxiety, any anxiousness, anything that might bind us right now in the name of Jesus. We break that hold now in Jesus' name. Break fear. We break the hold of fear now in the name of Jesus. If it's in your life, just give it to God right now. Say, Thank you, Jesus. Take this away. Fear, you have no more right in my life in Jesus' name. Every hold is broken. Lord, I repent of listening to those voices of accusations. I'm sorry, God, that I'm, I've listened to accusations. I've, I've received those lies. I'm sorry, God. I, I lay those lies aside right now in Jesus' name. And I choose, Lord, to look to you. I choose to receive your love. And I'm going to choose to allow your love, God, to cast out every single fear in the name of Jesus. you in a place where you know you've seen some miracles from afar off and you see what God has done and you see God doing stuff in other people's lives but you feel Lord I want to be there and <laughs> I believe he's inviting you to come closer and I believe he's inviting you to step into his purpose where you can say I am a bond servant and I no longer live 
Christ lives in me. He is the hope of glory inside of me. I don't have what it takes, sure, but He is able. He's powerful to save. He has power to heal. He has power to deliver. He has power to restore. Not me, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. Rivers of living water, Lord. In the name of Jesus. If that, you know, just respond to God if you feel right now. Just lift up your hands to Him. Say, Lord, let your river flow in my life. So that nobody can stop it. Jesus name let your river of living water flow through my life God let everybody around me get drenched my colleagues my family my community Lord let them get drenched in your love in your life God as it flows through me God give us a boldness in our obedience God give us a boldness to step out even when we it's, we haven't seen the provision yet. Give us a boldness to step out in obedience. Not wait till everything looks right, God. In Jesus' name. In our small groups, God. In our communities. Wherever you've put us to be salt and light, Lord. I thank you that your river will flow, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.